0: Hi everyone, my name's Matt. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors in the Trinity Network. I've had the great blessing of knowing Paul, our Senior Network Pastor, and Sue, his wife, for almost 25 years now, as well as getting to know their three children as a youth leader. Being on the staff team at Trinity for all my years as a parent, I've asked them many questions about parenting and valued it enormously. To help us all benefit from what they've learned over the years, I thought I'd interview Paul and Sue and share it with you all. My prayer has been that it had helped start some great discussions among parents, grandparents and everyone at our churches about how we can raise our kids to know, love and serve Jesus with healthy relationships. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Well, thanks Paul and Sue for your time. It's really exciting to be able to sit down and talk like this about parenting together. Uh, One of the things I've really appreciated about being in the Trinity Network uh, for so many years now is just how the grace of God drives everything uh, that we do as a network uh, you've both been great champions of that both publicly but also I know personally it's really formed the way that you uh, interact uh, with others and we're talking about parenting uh, today as well but before we dive into the topic of parenting I just want to share a little bit about how the what the grace of God has meant to you in both of your lives.
1: Yes the um, for me uh... I grew up in a family where success was really important and being good people. Mm. And for the most part, growing up, I was thinking, yeah, I'm doing pretty well at this. And then about a year before I became a Christian, I realized I wasn't good. And I I knew God existed and he was good. And it really horrified me, that thought that there was actually no way I could fix this up Mm. and have a relationship like I'd seen a couple of other people have with this holy God. And so it was an enormous relief to me when I realised that God had made a way mm. for me. He'd taken the initiative away for me to have a relationship with him. So I was just overwhelmed about it. A week before I became um, uh, went to uni, I became a Christian. Mm. And that grace of God, that kindness of God, when I just couldn't do it, um, not because I performed well enough mm. for God. And so that was um, that. And I didn't want to fall back into that sort of making myself good enough for God So I really just keep remembering that throughout the next um, over decade, uh, four decades and a half, Mm. um, and just thinking, you know, it's the grace of God that drives me. It's the grace of God that gives me joy, um, enables me to be so thankful. And, um, yeah, it really drives everything I do. And I want other people to know that. I just don't want them to be under that oppression, really. trying to get good enough for God and you just cannot.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, Yeah, for sure. How about you, Paul? Mm.
2: Yep. So I think by the time I got to university, I thought God was a God who helped those who helped themselves. Although I'm not sure I actually believed in God, to be quite honest. And then it was in third year when I was at the law school that I got to a point where I thought, no, God is real. Mm. And I've been ignoring him my whole life, which I thought probably wasn't a good place to be. But, (laughs) But despite the fact that I've been ignoring him, uh, I worked out that he had been very gracious to me. Mm. So my, I was running away from God, but he sent his son to die for me. And that, that understanding of God being the one who profoundly changed the relationship between us by what he'd done, then just turned my whole life upside down. So I changed my relationship with God, but it also changed my uh, perspective on what was important in the world. Every priority got turned upside down mm. uh, because it wasn't all about me sort of sucking all the resources and everything I could get to myself. Much more about how I served God, that God had been kind to me in his world. And then it also affected every relationship I had. So that again, it wasn't about other people serving me, much more about, well, how did I use my life in the service of others? So mm. that that sort of Change just flipped everything upside down mm. in a dramatic way, in a wonderful way mm. uh, because of God's kindness
0: to to us. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, I've really appreciated how that's kind of uh, played out, you know, in our relationship uh, personally, and I found it a great encouragement to kind of keep. Uh, reminding myself of just how beautiful uh, the grace of God is. we will talked about how that applies in parenting uh, now. I was at a conference in May where I went to a seminar and they were talking about parenting, not as the main topic, but uh, it was used as a great illustration. Uh, And one of the things uh, the person presented was um, some research that um, there's been a lot more parenting advice, books and courses and things coming out since about the 1950s and uh, she showed a graph up on screen basically saying as the the level of advice had risen uh, parental confidence had actually gone uh, in the wrong direction Uh, i remember asking uh, you for parenting advice over different years paul and one of the things that stuck in my mind uh, was not uh, sort of focusing so much on process and rules and guidelines. Of course, those things uh, are helpful as we think about parenting. But you said something along the lines to me, and please feel free to correct me if I've misquoted you. Um, that really, our main job as parents is to work out how the grace of God applies in all the different situations we find ourselves in, in, in parents and uh, as parents, and as things happen in our children's lives, or there's tension in the family, and things like that. Have I quoted you well, Paul? <laughs> and uh, if so, um, yeah, do you just want to unpack that sort of comment a little about helping our kids yeah, to understand yeah, the sure. grace of God? You,
2: you probably quoted me better than I spoke. Oh, well, there you go. Which is really nice. <laughs> but, uh, yes. So Sue and I, we're first-generation believers, but we're also first-generation parents, yes. uh, Christian parents. So that that's meant we felt like we have been making it up as we go along uh, at each step, and we tried to attach ourselves to parents who were the next step on from us, who we mm. thought were doing a good job. Yep. But, but one thing we were convinced about was the fact that, uh, for us, we'd become Christians mm. and that had profoundly changed the way we lived. Mm. Uh, but it was because God's grace had impacted our hearts and lives mm. that it affected what we chose to do, how mm. we chose mm. to behave. So we figured we wanted to have grace-centred parenting for our kids. Mm. We wanted them to grab hold of the gospel at the heart level, mm. and we figured that that would transform their lives You know, in due course. You know, That was the logic. Um, you know, we, I'm not sure we articulated it quite as clearly as that, but I think it, that perspective just infiltrated all that we were doing. So we figured that if we, if we concentrated primarily on behaviours, mm in our children, then what we were doing was effectively having a works gospel. Mm. That is, you're members of this Christian household based on how you perform. Mm. Never the way God treats us, it's always the other way around. So we've always tried to get that that framework central. And I think you're right that, uh, especially in Christian families, it's really easy for parents Mm. to focus more on behaviours, because there's a sense in which you feel like you, you can affect that more. Yes. And you know that uh, you know the, the the gospel is the thing that transforms hearts, so you're very reliant on God, but we're always reliant on God for that. Uh, but that can make you feel a little bit out of control, but I think it's the right sort of focus. It's interesting, more recently we've come across a book by Paul Tripp, and he uses an analogy where he talks about... Uh, If you're a a gardener or a farmer, Mm. um, you know, you work on the health of the plant to produce fruit or a crop. Uh, No farmer ever goes around their crop stapling fruit onto the branches, you know. But he said Christian parents can sometimes be doing that, Mm. you know, stapling the behaviours onto their kids' Mm. performance rather than attending to the health of the heart as you go on. But Sue's been, I think, really brilliant in terms of setting that culture in our household, actually. Yeah, sure. yeah.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? When you, when you focus on the heart, there is delayed gratification mm. because the heart then it needs to, you know, seep in and then produce the fruit. Um, and, you know, it works both ways too. Yeah. You know, sometimes you shouldn't just have to do it because you've said, mm. um, but there's um, just that where, at where your focus is. Mm. Um, I did find reading a lot of the Christian uh, parenting books you know, pretty depressing mm. because a um, couple of reasons. One was I just could never do all the things. So, you know, I felt mm. like, oh, a failure. Yep. Um, and I just, that system thing wasn't quite as, you know, really mm. didn't fit. But the other thing is it, it kind of, gave a false idea you you do you know a plus b equals c you know Mm. or a cookie cutter thing and that's just not the way people work it's Mm. not the way um god works with us he works with us individually so one of the things today paul and i was saying beforehand we want to make sure people don't think just because we've done something one way Mm. they need to Mm. and they'll get the same result like Mm. each child is different each household Mm. is different each parent is different Mm. so you know what but the principles mm. will then result in certain actions. So the, pri- the gospel principles is what yeah. we really want to apply. Yeah. We'll give examples as we go on. But yeah, yeah. Um,
2: It was yeah. interesting, wasn't it, because it, that is we'd, we'd appreciated the grace, the love and the mercy of God, mm. and we wanted our kids to be really stable and settled in, both in God's and our love and grace and mercy towards them yes. so that when they didn't behave properly, yeah. they didn't step out of our family. Yeah. yeah. Um, like we don't step out of God's family when yeah. we're disobedient. So we have that security of confidence in relationship that would then sort of woo them in terms of their behaviour, wanting to live for a God who'd been so kind to them. And hopefully living in line with family values because we'd been gracious and kind to of them as well. Yeah, modelling yeah.
1: that. But. Yeah. And... Um, You know, in fact, it's funny, isn't it? Some of the times, the odd times where one of them did something significantly wrong, Mm. were once some of the best gospel moments, some of the Mm. best learning where they could see our love for them wasn't conditional, Mm. um, but also and sort of just get a bit of a taste Mm. of that amazing grace that we've all received from God. Mm.
2: Um, And it's the same, isn't it? Like for us, Mm. when we sin profoundly, often it gives you a deeper appreciation of God's mercy and kindness towards you. And parents sometimes, I think, can shy away from the tough situations and conversations Mm. or instead of treating them like learning moments, they treat them like uh, discipline, Mm. you know, sort of, you know, uh, almost cutting off relationship moments because we want them to know how serious it is, whereas they are the the great opportunities to engage with the heart for change. You know, so yeah.
1: Yeah. one parenting talk I, w- I went to, which I did find really helpful, was where the um, speaker said, "God is never more harsh with us than he needs to be." Yes, yeah. and I thought in our parenting we really tried mm. to, mm. you know, sometimes there actually didn't need to be a consequence for an action because they'd already learnt. Yes. Um, other times they did, yes. and and you know that was fine, um, but I. Whenever there was a moment where there did need to be some discipline, I actually always checked my own heart first because mm. children can smell a rat. Yes, you know, and <laughs> if I if I was disciplining because I was embarrassed yes. or you know um, personally affronted or yes. something like that, then then you kind of undercut what yes. it is you're doing. So really trying to um, train them because it's good for them, mm. not because of you know, something to do with me. So, for instance, if I did need to speak harshly or or strongly or whatever to take them away mm. from other people, um, not to do it to perform for the crowd, because I didn't trust my own motives, to yes. be perfectly honest. You know, like, because it is embarrassing sometimes. They yes. do embarrass you. You know, try to get it right in my own, then try to, you know, deal, deal with them mm. separately. Yep. But never have as part of discipline a rejection. Yeah. Um, and um, the other thing I think the more... the Is just the all of life, Mm. positively trying to point out how kind and how good and how generous God is. Mm. So even you know when they were very little, things like, oh, didn't God make these flowers beautifully? Do you know He didn't have to make them that beautifully to Mm. attach the bee to to attract the bees, but He did because He loves beauty and He loves being generous. So just trying to do that, and then answered prayer, again God's kindness in perhaps somebody becoming a Christian or God bringing somebody back to Him, or even little things like. God enabling some conversation to take place, or, or you know, um, uh, any any of the sort of gifts and and things that God gives us. So, um, and just relating all of that back, the joy, even the fun in life, to how generous God is to us.
0: Yeah, great. But just to delve into that a little deeper, so you probably won't realize this. uh, Having been on the staff team all the years that I've been a parent, I've lost. I've asked a lot of questions of Paul about uh parenting uh along the way and most of paul's responses start with oh well actually sue's really good at and then (laughs) he'll he'll tell a lovely no
2: i I thought today was all going to be about (laughs) Sue and recording me nodding (laughs) Yeah. yeah so
0: um so well you know as an example uh one of the um one of those conversations that stuck in my mind Was based around um, you always very helpfully with uh, the kids, kind of trying to distinguish between sort of important, sort of say, moral based issues like lying or something like that, and other things that, you know, might not be that important but, you know, can be frustrating, as as you were sort of saying before. Can you just expand a little bit on how you've tried to think about that? Um,
1: Well, it started right from when I first had a baby, and people asked me, um, is he a good baby? Okay. And I thought, Ah, that's putting a moral yes. thing on probably whether he's sleeping, yes. whether he's an easy baby. <laughs> yep. And so I tried to, um, I, you know, just get those categories right in my own head mm. um, because sometimes a child might be particularly difficult or hard work, but there's nothing moral in it. Mm. It's just the way God's created them, it's just yes. the circumstances or stage of life or whatever, or they might be sick or whatever might be mm. happening. Yes. So just trying to distinguish that. Um, and I wanted a household that is. Like what's important to God is the moral behaviour and the motivations and not even the outcomes. So even if we try to do something with the right motives but we actually make a huge mess, Mm. God is pleased. And so to try and, you know, bring that into our family life. um, So if they broke something, Mm. we had a really set, you know, we decided beforehand, even if it was something very valuable Mm. and it was a pure accident, then there was no consequence. There was no, Mm. we tried to downplay it. Yes, but if um, they lied about it Mm. that was really serious you know people not stuff relationships Mm. are important and and we'd explain why Mm. this is really significant because i need to be able to trust you people um so your word has to be true um and so just trying to explain that and that would have some you know serious consequences if they'd lied Mm. um so and even things like manners Mm. to try and uh, you know, to fit in in the world, there's some some cultural skills we need to learn, yes. you know, uh, but but they're, often, they're not in and of themselves morally right or wrong, mm-hmm. the motivation behind it. So I remember one day one of our children was, one of the boys was wearing a cap, you know, going backwards and we were about to go into church and at that stage, you know, decades ago, yeah. um, uh, some people would be offended by that. Yes. So I said to them, look, you're doing nothing wrong wearing that cap, um, but it would be kind to some of the older people in this congregation to take it off because they will think it's being disrespectful mm-hmm. i know you're not being disrespectful but yeah. we like to be kind to the other people yeah. and they were happy as larry with that yeah. um yeah and they weren't made to feel guilty yeah, because sure. of that and even just recently one of the grandkids said to me um, why is it that all the adults like children to say thank you mm. <laughs> <laughs> very intuitive. Nice question. And, and I said, well, it's because it, it is actually respecting the other person and it's showing it encourages them because you've shown they've done something that you're pleased with and um, you're not treating them like a slave or a servant. And da, da, da. anyway, after that, she had really resisted this saying thank you. But her mum said she's now really happy to say thank you because she can see the relational underpinning in it and um, the reason for it. So, um, The other thing I did try and keep in my mind and we often talked about was um, this is normal, unacceptable behaviour. So, you know, age appropriate stage. So you might be terribly embarrassed by something your child has done Mm. and you do need to train them in social skills. Yes. But they actually haven't done anything morally wrong. Mm. So they've said something that um, is blunt or... inappropriate, or one of our children, somebody came to the door, they said, can I see dad? They said, yes, they shut the door in their face and went off. You know? yeah. <laughs> now, that that wasn't, there was no moral, um, but we did need to tell them this, you know, actually that, that person might have felt offended. And, mm. you know, so you need to train, yes. but not make them feel like it, um, there needs to be any um, moral underpinning or guilt mm. in relation to it. Yeah. So we tried to distinguish. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And Paul, just
0: um, you know, to change tack now, the um, something I've really appreciated over the years is you thinking uh, through quite carefully how your sort of family, um, wife and kids, fit into God's family, and to think about that intentionally. Um, it's not something I think I've I've naturally kind of drawn to kind of thinking about, uh, and I, and I'm guessing uh, some others might not have thought about that uh, quite so much too, um, but. How have you tr- how Have you tried to think about that issue of home family, uh, how they fit into church family as someone who's gripped by god 's grace?
2: Yeah okay, so I think when the surveys come out about what 's important to Australians, family's always very high up on the list, mm. and so that's secular Australia. everyone thinks family's important mm. uh, and Christians are the same. We think family' important, and so you 've got an alignment there, but we don't think nuclear families, if you put it that way, or nuclear extended families, are at the center of what God's doing. Yes. Right. So when you read the Bible, it's clear, uh, you go to Ephesians 1, you know, 2 and 3, what God's doing is he's gathering people into his household for eternity. And that includes nuclear families, if you like, as part of that. Yes. So the big thing God's doing for all eternity is building his family. And our families are part of that. Mm. So I I think for us as believers, we need to keep leading our families to think that our family is a subset of a bigger and the meta plan, if you like, Mm -hmm. of what God is doing in the world. And therefore, one of the most loving things we can do for our families is to highlight the importance of belonging to that church family. And And when you read through, say, a book like Ephesians, you see the way in which that's played out? Mm. It's not that there's a neglect of nuclear family or or what's involved in that. But, you know, Ephesians 1 to 3 gives you God's plan for gathering people to himself. Ephesians 4 to 6 then spells out what it means on the ground for your nuclear family. So you go to chapter 5 and it talks about husbands and wives. Mm. So God's saying, as part of my family, husbands and wives lives this way, Mm. We get to Chapter 6 and it talks about the way parents treat their children. Mm. So it's not that nuclear family is unimportant, but it's a subset of what's going on. And therefore I reckon what we don't do as well uh, these days is we tend to isolate our subset families Mm. from other families when actually we should see church community as being made up not just of nuclear families but Mm. individuals and... uh, Divorces um, divorcees and widows and widowers and single people and yep. a whole, they are part of this family to which our family belongs. Mm. And if we get that right, I think it means we have a much more helpful perspective and we don't uh, fall into idolatry with the nuclear family. Mm. So uh, for, new, for us as part of God's church, of course, our fam- family will always be a church. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. that's our family. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's really important. And it's the one we're going to be with forever. You know? Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's, that's, I'm not saying you never miss church, but but I am saying it when you shape it that way in that order, then you get the importance of it. And I know that we've like practically tried to work out, well, what does that look like on the ground for us over the years? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So we'd make church day the special day mm. or if we had people from church coming around. Mm. So church day was the day you were allowed to have cocoa pops, for example. Yeah. <laughs> Just things like that. Things that are important to Sounds children. Good to we felt sorry for the Sunday school teachers yeah. afterwards when we thought that, But anyway. <laughs> but but yeah, things like that. Or sugar that, them up and sent yeah, them to Yeah, church. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or um, you know, guess the you know, church meeting or something and then we'd that, that's when they got Tim Tams or something, you know, those sort of things. Or in that if they were really lucky, they could go to evening church with dad and then and you'd make something fun around it, you know, yeah. take them out for supper after, things like that. So we tried to help them to value church. Mm. And we did that too by, by what we said, but also mm. what we didn't say. Mm. So if there was some issue within the church, we didn't, you know, at an inappropriate age stage, mm. um, uh, let them overhear that sort mm. of thing. So try to, in the way we speak and in the way we think, yeah. you know, our heart mm. as well, yep. you know, value God's people and help them too as well, yeah. and tried at different points to um, uh, get them linked up with all sorts of other people within. Yeah. within. So it's not just our family, but, you know, with other mates or with other um, yeah. older people, you yeah. know, aunts and uncles within, within the community well, of God. Yeah,
2: for example, you yeah. had an involvement mm. with each of our kids in yeah. high school groups. Yeah. But one of the things we always looked out for were people at that next stage who could... Invest in our kids Mm. because we figured, you know, you know how they talk about it. It takes a tribe to raise a child. That's very much, I think, that philosophy you see in the New Testament Mm. and in the Bible about how, you know, people are, you know, they invest as a, you know, wider family in children. We saw that in a whole range of ways for our kids. They had lots of fathers and mothers and uncles and brothers Mm. and sisters. and they they never dipped out because they were they were embraced by so many other people. I think uh, it was just so valuable.
1: And we'd actually point that out and say, mm. "How you know how wonderful? How many other people get this sort of?" Yes. Um, the other thing is, we really tried to check our own hearts because anything good like church um, and God's people can. Can be twisted. Mm. So um, there were times when the kids were little, I'd much rather be going out to some interesting, stimulating church meeting mm. um, or church activity than doing the drudgery mm. involved. So, and there were times I'm sure when Paul felt the same thing mm. um, and could easily, I mean, he was a minister, he could yes. have, you know, like he could have easily been very godly and kind yeah. and rather than sacrifice put, the family for ministry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but he didn't. And so um, just checking my own heart and not using. Um, or our own hearts, not using church, ministry as an excuse for selfishness, really. Mm,
0: yeah, great. Um, so I've heard you speak over the years about some of the things you tried to do in your household about helping the kids to relate well together. We'd all love you know, sibling relationships uh, in our households uh, to be good and, and helpful. Like, what are some of the ways that you've um, thought about that and helped the kids to do well in that area?
1: We didn't want our kids just relating through us. Mm. We wanted them to have each other's back. Yes. And so we really discouraged them telling on each other and all yes. those sort of things, um, unless there was something really serious. Um, yes. But, um, but also to be thinking positively about how to build each other up. Mm. So I remember one fabulous time where um, uh, uh, Ben had had chronic fatigue mm-hmm. and... Um, David and Kate were trying to work out how to be helpful Mm. and how to do something practical. And they come out with um, uh, giving him a brewing kit that they paid for themselves. They went out and organised so that he could, you know, get his science brain and do something at home that he might have a bit of energy and do over time. And So that was lovely. Part of it stems from really from the start, making clear they all knew they were loved, mm. and that there were they didn't have to compete for yes. our attention and love, mm. and that there was plenty of love to go around. Mm. So even with our um, grandkids, you know, they'd be jostling to you know, get on grandma's lap, mm. and I, I and I we say quite explicitly, there's plenty of love to go around. Yes. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. one, you know yeah. like what yeah. loving one doesn't mean you don't love the other. Yes. So mm-hmm. being quite explicit, like human nature is human nature, and so um uh, we really discourage them from being small-minded mm. and, you know, if X gets this, then I have to have it too. Yeah. And so we purposely didn't give everybody exactly the same thing at exactly the same time. Mm. Of course, we were parents, so we were yeah. careful that we didn't, you know, yeah. uh, make it un- uneven. But we um, we wanted them to be genuinely pleased for the other person if something mm. happened to them, celebrate their successes um, and not always be thinking of it in terms of themselves. Mm. So just trying to encourage that. And whenever one of them did the slightest lovely thing for each other, yeah. we would, you know, celebrate that and we'd, yes. <laughs> we'd just um, yeah. highlight, you know, you realise how lovely that was, that mm. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah.
2: And so that each of them has different gifts, different, you know, abilities, mm. but we wanted them to be positive about each other's strengths and abilities mm. and to, you know, just, as Sue said, celebrate those. Mm. Also, when it came to thinking about, looking after each other Christianly to keep cultivating that. Mm. Uh, ben, being the eldest, uh, he was very good when he was in the high school group, mm. wanting Kate and David both to get him, you know, embraced into that high school group. Mm. I think some boys can isolate their social group from their younger siblings mm. and want to make sure that they, the, their siblings have nothing to do with that. Yes. And that's not not wrong, but Ben was very inclusive in wanting his peers to look after his siblings as they joined the group so that they would flourish as Christians. He was just a, it was very thoughtful, but we wanted each of our kids to want that for each Mm. other as well.
1: Yeah. And we pointed that out. I remember saying you realize not every brother will do that you because everybody you know it was never idyllic you know Mm. different ones have different personalities and irritate each other at points and all those sort of things Mm. but just keep highlighting the good and the kind and the Mm. positive things that they're doing for each other
0: yeah sure well you're both uh, empty nesters now and grandparents um which i'm sure gives you some perspective on things Um, as you think back sort of with everything you've learned about parenting over time are there things that, you know, you, you look back on reflection and wish you did better? Like, what would you say to yourself now uh, to Paul and Sue 30 years ago with young kids in the house?
2: Yep, mm. uh, there are lots of things <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we, wish, we wish we'd done better. Uh, yeah. And this, this uh, tape is not long enough to contain them all. But uh, I, I think, as we said before, we were making it up as we went along a bit. Yeah. One of the things that was going on for us was we didn't want our kids to miss out. Mm. And therefore, we probably let them uh, get too busy with activities and things. I Mm. think that's still Mm. the same Mm. today. So, you know, our kids were busy at school, Mm. playing sport, musical instruments, Mm. friends, church, you know, there there Mm. was a lot going on. Mm. And I think we allowed their diaries just to fill up Mm. too much. Mm. And if we exercise a little more um, control in that space or leadership in that space, we could have helped them mm. manage life with a little more energy and perspective, I suspect. Mm. Um, that was one thing. The other thing was, on reflection, the Bible was big in our family. God mm. talk was big in our family. But I'm not sure we did enough to help our kids uh, keep developing their own skills at reading the Bible for themselves and Mm. praying so that they were self-feeding, you know, Mm. self-nourishing at that point. I reckon there are two areas that if we went back, we'd we'd probably, you know, up our game on Mm. quite a bit if we could.
1: And I think particularly in that um, upper high school phase, so when they were little, we'd read the Bible to them Mm. and all of those things. Mm. And when we're on holidays right the way through, we'd do... We might read the Book of the Bible together and that sort of thing. But when they were older, just that transferring to their mm. own, yeah. I think. Adjustment should... for stage. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we did that as well. Mm. The other thing, just like we didn't take quite enough responsibility for their physical overload. Mm. Uh, and I think that did have some consequences. I, I've, We feel like we didn't take quite enough responsibility for some of the emotional load that they mm. carried. Um, I wanted them particularly to be good friends. Mm. So, you know, we didn't insist um, that they tell us everything that was going on in their friend's life and Mm. all that sort of thing. But, you know, we wanted them to be loyal. Mm. But on the other hand, I think it got to the point where um, uh, one of them in particular was just carrying the weight of Mm. far too much for Mm. age appropriate. So, Mm. uh, you know, in retrospect, Mm. I'd say, you know, you be the adult a little bit more, Mm. you know? Um, And, you know, there are there's only so much, you know, children mm. should carry. Mm. Um, and although we protected in what we put on yep. things they were getting from outside, I don't think we protected quite mm. enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: And
0: yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, as you look at your children raising their own children now, uh, what are what are some of the things you can see the next generation doing doing really well in their parenting?
1: Oh, I, I love the way um, all our kids um, uh, acknowledge the emotion of mm-hmm. what's going on with their children um, and then go on to say whether it was appropriate or inappropriate. Mm. We tended to, you know, if they were shouting, we'd, we'd, we'd talk about the fact that they shouldn't be shouting. But then mm. we might go on to, uh, you know, working, you know, getting closer to the heart. But I love the fact that they actually are, they might say i can see you're really upset about that mm. well we kind of missed that stage yeah, right?
2: sure. we didn't so, listen to the emotions yeah, probably enough and, yeah. you know quite
1: enough so i think i think that's mm. something this generation mm. does better and mm. i think it's really helpful because you know when you feel like you're being heard then you then you're more prepared to hear so i mm. uh, i love that um what else do you, oh,
2: do i think that they've each of our kids have done a really good job but their spouses um just training their kids mm. up in yeah. reading the Bible and praying that mm. routine into the household, which has been absolutely wonderful. What they all do in a way that was better than us mm. is they have better routines for the kids, which mm. I think yeah, have created um, a stability and confidence for mm. each of their kids. And we were very flexible, mm. like you could commend us for our flexibility. <laughs> but those household routines were not something we were as yeah. concerned about. We, and I think our kids are doing a very good job yeah. in uh, looking after their kids in that way. Yeah. And,
1: and although they're not obsessive, but, you know, bedtimes and, you mm. know, they've mm. just got a better mm. uh, structure in their mm. household. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, it sounds like you've been a great team together in raising your kids. Um, it's a reality for many in our know, churches that sometimes, um, and of course, we have single parents, we have households where one parent's a Christian, one uh, not, uh, and I guess perhaps more commonly, perhaps one parent feels like they're carrying more of the, the load for parenting or, the, the, or their kids' kind of spiritual development. Um, what would you say to encourage those parents? Kind yep. of watching this
2: I look i think it is tough if you feel like you're doing it alone yeah whether you are alone or whether you're just carrying the load mm. and that that is a challenging situation to mm. be in i think one of the things i would say to hark back to what i was saying before about being part of a bigger family mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so part of it is to try and work out how you don't get isolated in your parenting mm. but actually try and build into families and other uh, they may even be single people in the church who actually mm. supplement the relationships in the family mm. and support that. And f- from the church's point of view, we need to keep looking out more for people in those situations too, mm. because the reality is our society is very diverse in the shape of households mm. and becoming increasingly so. Mm. That that's just just what's going on, and therefore our churches are going to have a lot more people. With that diversity reflected, or if if we don't have those people, then probably we're not doing a yeah. good job evangelizing. Yeah. Yeah. So you <laughs> know the. So I reckon thinking about that bigger family situation, then the other thought I'd, uh, by way of encouragement for a, parent in that situation, is to keep remembering the impact that your life and your modelling, mm. and your efforts Mm. uh, can have in those children's lives. And we've seen so many friends in that situation, and God has been very kind in the way he's used the hard work Mm. and the persistence and the faithfulness Mm. to impact those kids, and even spouses too. Mm. uh, Because we've seen the way a Christian spouse, just by loving and respecting their non-Christian spouse or Mm. immature spouse, can see them grow or become Christians over the years mm. and the joy of a family being transformed in that way so mm. so no god's in your corner yep. and yeah. you know and delights in the way in which you serve even if it is hard work and sometimes really lonely work i think yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: and I, th- I think that's right god we're actually not alone ever, are we? Even mm. if we're the only Christian in the room mm. or in the household, so God is. I'd say to them, remember, God is with you. Mm. You know, um, and he he is working through. He's actually placed you mm. in that situation for His good purposes mm. to bless those around. So I th- I'd be, I'd take encouragement from that and keep depending on God in that, um, and and just. I, th- I think talk through with other people in similar situations, you know, mm. learn from each other as well mm. um, from that. But just keep remembering and keep rejoicing that God is in control. And the thing that I, I think every parent needs to remember, but particularly if you feel like you're doing it on your own, mm. is God actually loves your children more than you do. Mm. And and you don't sort of have to twist his arm to, mm. to bless them. Mm. And so um, just remember that he's placed you there. He wants to bless your children. He wants to use you in that situation. Mm, yeah,
0: sure. I'd be interested in your insight on this next question. Um, compared to raising kids in sort of the 80s and 90s, um, a lot more families have two parents working, and in many cases full-time jobs. You mentioned sporting commitments and kind of load on household. Often people don't just play on one sports team, but they'll play on two or three every kind of winter and summer, like the, the busyness has been multiplying a lot. Um, what's your take on, you know, as you look out across the church and people you know, on what kind of challenges this is bringing to parenting and family life?
2: Yep. So we did. We raised our kids during the 80s and 90s. Mm. And, you know, they were the good old, old days. You know, like, uh, <laughs> I'm sure it was pretty straightforward. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> wonderful, really. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> but yeah. there's no question that what's changed over the last, say, 50 years in Australia mm. is that the uh, for couples with families, the working hours have gone up, shared between them. Mm. So the I'd make a for sort of a macro observation mm. that what's happened is you've now got often uh, husband and wife or mother and father mm. both working full-time jobs or substantial hours in two mm. jobs. What hasn't happened is working out, when you suck out 30, 40 hours a week mm. out of your family or your household, Mm. what do you replace it with? Yes. (laughs) So uh, that's just a practical observation that we've had this cultural, you know, temperature in the water raising over that time. Mm. But I don't think we've been very good at adjusting to that pressure Mm. and that change and Christian families need to do that. Mm. So part of it is to work out what is driving that change Mm. and then to assess it from a Christian perspective. Mm. So if the change is being primarily driven by finance, Mm. is it a financial necessity Mm. or a financial desire? Mm. So is it a a desire for more things or Mm. more experiences that's driving the increased hours or Mm. is the increased hours being driven by uh, my sense of self-worth, mm. you know, and identity is—is is my identity tied mm. up with my work, yep. and therefore, uh, that's driving that sort of increase. When our identity, of course, comes from God, mm. not from what we do, like, yep. not the creation but the Creator. So I think they're good in principle questions to ask. Mm. And then the the issue of well, how do you compensate for sucking the oxygen, more oxygen out of family life? Mm. How do you replace that in some way? Mm. And or not just think it won't matter, Mm. you know, because you've got people who are more tired. Now, when I make those comments, I'm not sort of advocating, you know, a pre-1950s Australia. Yes. You know, (laughs) men go out to work, women stay home. Yeah. Uh, And Sue will tell you why in just a moment. But but there is a question of thinking together about our household Mm. and how we honour God together, how we raise kids. We love Jesus and how we're a, a family who have time for our important family church. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, those sort of questions. Yeah, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. And we we worked this out over the mm. years and just kept reassessing. Mm. So um, when the kids were little, I did a day a week um, mm. at the law society, and then um, the um, when they got a bit older, I started my own business with mm. another woman, and we did. I did. You know anywhere between one and three days a week, depending Mm. at different stages, I'm back to one day a week with Mm. the other commitments. Um, So, but we would, everything was on the table. So, Mm. you know, every six months or so, Mm. we would assess what was happening between both of us and try Mm. and work out what is workable, what isn't workable. Mm. And um, so the first thing I, I think is be really honest with yourself, what is going on here? be really honest with each other and mm. um, there's no, you know, too hard conversations to mm. have. Mm. Um, and then uh, because there were times the other way around where I'd say to Paul, look, there's a couple of times where I said, look, Yes, you are here, but emotionally you're not here. Mm. And so, and he listened, and mm. we and and made some changes. So there were times we both had to do adjustments if things were getting out of hand mm. with all our commitments, yeah. whether we happened to be paid for them or not. Mm. Um, so I think just being really honest, really valuing um the raising of our children Mm. as one of the one of the things that we really value Mm. and making sure that we gave that time and just being being honest that Mm. we only all have 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week Mm. um yeah yeah great Mm.
0: well um it's been really helpful so far and i could we could sit here and talk all afternoon but um i just thought i'd do one final question uh for now um it's Uh, Just wondering how you've thought about as your kids have kind of grown and developed from, you know, young kids into teenagers into adults, how have you tried to think about how your relationship changes, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe between mother and son or uh, whether you have special times, you know, together one on one? Yeah, any sort of uh, thoughts on, you know, how that's looked over the longer term, how your relationships changed?
2: As we look back on our own children, the stages were so different. You know, like. like when the kids are preschool, physically incredibly demanding. Mm. Uh, you then hit primary school and there's that funny mixture of less physically demanding, a little yeah. more, you know, busy with activity. Yes. Uh, you get to high school, less physically demanding, but normally a fair bit more emotionally demanding yep. and then you know when they're moving out of high school you're more a coach than you mm. are you know which is different yes. how do you influence without appearing to do so yes. you know? uh, uh, mind you high school's a bit like that too but yep. you know so, yeah. so yeah. they're all different and then the kids are all different yeah mm. so that uh, and, and spiritually different yeah so each of our kids the, the lights they all trusted in Jesus throughout mm. their life but the lights came on at different yeah. points yep. for each of them mm. and being patient about that at mm. different points and thinking through individually with them mm. what would be involved in helping them for that next stage in life, mm. which was different for each of them, you mm. know, those sort of things and, and being willing to adjust family patterns. So yep. I, I remember um, primary school very hands-on active with the kids mm. and, and lots of physical activities together but in high school, I remember I was going out one night and one of our kids uh, said to me, you know, where are you going? Yeah. And, and I said, oh, I'm just off out to a meeting. Mm. And he said, again, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I knew that if I'd stayed home, mm. we may not have talked that much, yeah. but he wanted me to be around. Yeah, yeah. It was just a different sort of stage mm. and, and connection. So just reading that sort of stuff, mm. um, knowing that, Uh, yeah, your modeling for them is powerful at every Mm. point, but for different sorts of reasons. Yep. Uh, One of our kids uh, was going out with a girl and, and you know, a woman who I thought was terrific, Mm. and uh, but he broke it off. Yeah. And I thought, I think he's set his standards a bit too high. (laughs) (laughs) I better better have a chat with him about this. (laughs) So I had a chat with him and I said, Yeah, I thought she was pretty good, you know, and uh, uh, he said, "Yeah, look, she was, you know, she, a wonderful woman, yeah. and you know, I really had very high regard for her." Yeah. He said, "But I worked out that I thought she'd let me get away with too much. She okay. didn't push back enough yeah. in the relationship, mm. and..." And he said, "But I've observed you and Mum, mm. and you and Mum have a relationship where it's very equal, mutual, and Mum pushes back." Yep. He said, "I think I need someone like that." Yeah, okay. You know, <laughs> and I thought, "Well, isn't that a wonderful testimony to Sue's influence, both mm. as a wife and a mother, mm. that there would be a positive mm. aspect, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. to that?" And I think just trying to work that sort of stuff out as you go along. Yeah, yeah. For sure.
1: And it is different, isn't it? At different stages. So um, and being prepared to keep changing and adjusting Mm. the parenting styles Um, and and also um, being prepared to forgot to let God work at, at them at different stages. Mm. I remember with one of our children being really frustrated because I thought if they asked people in their class to come to youth group, mm. they would all come mm. because they had you know enormous influence. But actually, they weren't at that stage evangelistically and really having to hold my tongue. Mm. Um, when they were at uni, they were running the evangelistic campaign, mm. yeah. you know, but they just weren't there. The yeah. light wasn't on at, yeah. in that way. And so being prepared with that. So being respectful of God's work in their life mm. at the different stages. I think as a mother with sons, I'd read a book about how important it was love and respect, you know, mm. between marriage. And I and the, when the uh, my boys were older, mm. I thought how it, it really was so important the way I put things to them mm. but I did it respectfully mm. because otherwise they almost had to mm. sort of arch up as they, you know, yep. getting to the next stage. And I talked with a friend who had us whose son and her didn't have a good relationship mm. and talked about this respect and she. She changed the way she spoke to him, and it was a complete turnaround. Mm. So I think that is really critical. Yep. I think with dads and daughters, um, just that that um, they daughters learn what is acceptable mm. um, as far as being treasured and what what you should expect. Mm. Um, and I think that sort of gave a sort of a protective element mm. with with our daughter, <clears throat> and when she was going out, and in one situation that really wasn't as helpful. Um, she eventually went out, no, no, I should be treated better than that. Mm. Um, so I think there is that protective. And mm. if you happen to be in a marriage situation that, that isn't like that, mm. that's where the village comes in, I think. Mm. You, you help them see other relationships yes. that are healthy mm. um, and say, look, this, you know, this is a healthy way of relating, not, mm. not a, another one. Mm. We do try and spend um, even now mm. individual time mm-hmm. with our kids, um, adult children now as well yep. as separately at different points. Um, and then the, um, uh, you know, the, the drip filter, some of the things you do right from the start. So we would talk to our children about the fact that if they married, we wanted them to marry somebody Christian and kind, mm. Christ, you know, and just sort of have those sort of drum beats. Mm. So some things followed all the way through, but with slightly different things as they got older and, mm. and um, but, but actually wanting and expecting them to keep changing, which meant our relationship kept changing. Yeah, mm.
0: great. Right. Well, thanks so much for your time today. It's been really helpful. We might have to do this again in a few years or something like pleasure. that. But thanks so much for your time today. And I, I really pray that lots of people around the network find this discussion helps trigger lots of discussions, uh, both at church and, and in the home. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks, much man. Again. Thanks for having yeah, Thank you. No worries. Thanks.